podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the Earth's number one podcast for Federation discussions about the political landscape of the 2370s. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. No, that sounded like you said the I'm part, and then your mustache said Andy. <laughs> I got a little Theater bit of, of the mind, message. everyone. It's Andy's actually a quarantine got a mustache. Go- I got a quarantine goatee. And I think I'm going to shave it into a mustache and see how I feel. Oh, what's the difference? The, the, Andy's goatee bottom hair is covered completely by a microphone, so I didn't even see it. I just saw a mustache. Oh, there it is. It's gray on the gray, sort of peppery on the bottom, and then uh, just a completely black mustache. It's very strange. It's like a mullet. You know? <laughs> is that what a mullet is? Business, <laughs> business in the front, party in the back. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. Come on. Uh, well, Andy, look, I like uh, I like uh, I like some facial hair. This is uh, think of this, everyone listening, as the uh, s- as the Riker's beard of the podcast. Andy's got a goatee. Um, now the podcast is going to get good. <laughs> Since you have a goatee, I'll answer Finally. the following question: <laughs> Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Uh, yeah, I like you episodes. This is a really good one. I mean, really good is really good is generous. (laughs) It's a good one. I remember somebody bashing it, and I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Who was bashing True Q? Maybe I misinterpreted. There's Mm. there's there's people who have talked a lot. People like to cryptically describe things to you in a way that they hope is not spoilery, but it makes you think. It makes you think that it's not. (laughs) Meaning, like what I'm saying is like. They say something that they think is not spoilery, but your brain turns, and then you, like, I create. The, you create the story a spoiler in your it. head, and then you watch it, and you're like, "This is what." <laughs> well, I think it was in the context of like when relics stuff like relics comes up, people are like, "Oh, this is one of my favorite episodes." You got some stinkers coming up, and I believe Rascals is one of the people that one of the ones that people don't like. Rascals is, is one of the ones people don't. I like Rascals. I, I, it's a mm-hmm. it's a weird. It's bizarre. But maybe that's I'm, next week. Mistaken. That's next week. We'll talk about that next week. Certainly, man of the people. People have well, man agrees. of the people. So I don't know. Was, I thought True Q was one of the people. Whatever the case, I enjoyed it. Uh, I bet you did. It's uh, all. I mean, I don't bet you did. You usually don't like Q. So this is no. I don't. Uh, you, you're really turning around on this John Delancey character. I think I am. Uh, but with that being said, we should shuffle on down the hallway and uh, pop over to the Admirals Club. And that's no, we left the Admirals Club. <laughs> Matt, were we in the Admirals Club the whole time? I gotta have Barkley take a look at that. I gotta have Barkley take a look at the door. Obviously, the door is not working right. <laughs> we confused it the people the in the hallway. Well, actually, what happened was someone was leaving as we were coming in. <laughs> 
know. Is that what was yeah, going on? Yeah, that's what was happening. <laughs> it was another podcast yeah, on board. It was a shuffle. We shuffled. <laughs> they shuffled past us. Uh, but yeah, it's the Admirals Club. Uh, all you got to do to become a part of it is leave a five star review Matt, on Matt, Apple Matt. Podcasts. Don't. Matt. <laughs> How do they get into the Admirals Club? Oh, just listen back <laughs> to the last 10 seconds and you'll know how to get into the Admirals Club. Thanks so much. Everybody. There you go. There is a there is a, there is a, a way we do things on this ship, Matt. Uh, <laughs> the uh, first uh, Admirals Club admittee is Brawley990, who writes, It's a disaster piece. Um, I have no idea why I love it. What's that? I feel like someone else called this a disaster piece, and I'm still okay with it. <sighs> Maybe I'm wrong. Did I did I already read this? I don't. I've no I- look. You're once you're in an Admiral's Club. Does, you're this, sound, in the Admiral's does club. this sound familiar? I have yeah. no idea why I love it, but I do. These guys are reductionist, cynical, nitpicky. Is, have you heard this before? This sounds like every review we get, so it's fine. Keep going. All right. You know what, Brawley nine ninety, you Brawley, deserve it. Brawley, keep going, man. These guys are reductionist, cynical, nitpicky, mocking, and uncharitable to a show that at least Matt claims to love. Uh, they always think they could write it better, even when they think it's great. It really just seems that Andy especially is de- is just determined to find a problem with something, anything. Neither of them can enjoy just enjoy an episode, with a few exceptions. They just seem to hate the show. I don't get it. It's tiring. But anyway... <laughs> But anyway, I listen to all of them and keep coming back, so the joke's on me. Five stars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look, it's, an it's very easy to play Monday morning quarterback when you're watching a finished product, everybody. That's true. And that's what we do here. Um, another one is from Vannerwalk, who writes, I turned to TNC. I've tried everything to get sleep. I've tried one sip of Antidel's <laughs> warm milk. <laughs> And Adele's warm milk toddy, and it just leaves me in disgust. I've tried running my fingers through my floral arrangement headboard, sure. and it just makes me sneeze. Uh, is that in the past or in the future? Have we seen that yet? Oh, I, I, I just was thinking of uh, cause and effect and, and Beverly uh, pruning flowers before bed. Oh, that's right. Uh, I've even tried misaligning my radius and ulna by 0.02 microns, and it does nothing. <laughs> At times like these, I turn to TNC. Matt and Andy, please put me to sleep. Oh, we are on it. No problem. Just listen to the hum of those engines right now. That's it for the Admiral's Club. All right. Let's exit the Admiral's Club and head right over to the President's Circle. And that was the Admiral's Club. It's an exclusive club, but you can be a part of it. Head over to Patreon.com and pledge your President's Circle amount and support the podcast and become a member and receive four extra podcasts every month. Uh, hours and hours of us just talking and talking and talking and playing clips and playing clips and play. It's everything you love uh, with f- times four. So uh, head over. Join the Patreon. Become a President Circle member. Every week we like to single out a couple or one, depending. Uh, for the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, it's for a particularly uh, delightful, enjoyable, off-topic, random. doesn't matter. It's just at the whim of Andy to receive the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Andy, who is the recipient today? As two 
clear, hands-down winners this week. Uh, the first one is from uh, Lieutenant Neil Studd, who writes a voice hail from Wright said, Fred, hey guys, you mentioned on the Relics episode that you're still a bit in the dark about Wright said, Fred. Well, I pulled a few British strings, so here's a ship-to-ship transmission featuring a voice hail from Wright said, Fred themselves. Wright said, Fred, come on. Hi. Hi there. We are Wright said, Fred. Yes, this is to Matt and Andy, yep. and we're told that you run a U.S. <laughs> Star Trek page. Yes. Video page. So you're <laughs> lots of number ones. And big f- and um, big fans, all the number twos, I guess. Yes, always. <laughs> um, and uh, apparently you're a bit curious about us. And he, he's, so are we. He, he's a, he is a Trekkie fan. Yeah, I used to watch those, but, but my, I preferred the one with um, Patrick Stewart. That was my... <laughs> you're in the right yeah, spot. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, even know. I, okay. I, I preferred... Preferred. 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 Okay. Uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Yes, and there's a little snippet, isn't there? Yes. Uh, Matt and Andy are the tricky fan. That's <gasps> when I ran out there. That's when you're going to get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lots of love for Right Said Fred. Uh, keep up the good work for all you tricky fans. Yep. Um, and um, yeah, have a great have a great day. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye guys. That was a <laughs> delightful a actually. Song. We that got a Right Said Fred song about it. It was a dippity dippy do. That was a fucking. That was a home run. Right Said Fred. <laughs> home run. I wish that you had said that you liked Jean Luc Picard the most because you were all bald. Oh yeah! Come on, that would guys. Have been the connection. Come on, right said Fred. Now I'm rewriting right said Fred's uh, beautiful video messages to us. <laughs> Let's hire them to make another one. Neil, I hope you didn't spend too much on Neil. <laughs> Neil, or home maybe run. it was a direct, you know, relationship. Home run. Maybe you're home, buddies with them. Home run. Thank you. So Thank you, much. Neil. That was beautiful. Um, uh, and our next Christopher Pike Medal of Valor goes to uh, Frederick Rombouts, uh, who writes "Ode to Omar." Matt and Andy, Matt made a comment about Andy needing an ode to Omar, a la ode to Spot. <laughs> so I tried to deliver. Here is my attempt. No doubt, one of the many you'll receive from your listeners. You're the only one so far, Frederick. The uh, the hailing frequencies are open. If anybody else wants to send an ode to Omar, uh, I know, I'll know I, I've done my job well if I hear Matt snoring like Riker at the end of the recording. <laughs> uh, live long and prosper, Frederick. Here it is, the ode to Omar. Omar Little from The Wire owned the streets of Baltimore. But his namesake, as a cat, is someone crafty all the more. (laughs) He's the pet to all Secunda. He's a crafty little feline. A trickster who's already spent, of his lives, seven of nine. (laughs) He also is a confidant when Andy's feeling low. When Andy eats his feelings, Omar just says, make it so. Sure, he is enabling decisions no one should. But who cares? Let's cover the bad pizza with some good. Omar's also quite affectionate in ways that aren't intended. He'll curl up at Andy's feet for hours while he's playing Red Dead. He sometimes meows on TNC while the mics are live. But his dialogue is always brief. It's never over five. He is one of the coolest cats you could come upon. Cooler could he only be were he Frank Sinatra. Come on! Omar is a loyal friend who'll be there through the world's end. Andy's best friend is a cat because he needs a girlfriend. <laughs> nice. Uh, that was a beautiful poem. That actually, I, really? th- I think that was better than the Ode to Spot. Like, if you were just to, like, take both poems at face value, not having any context. Yeah, Riker would not have slept through that I one. feel like that. Even that with one, his sleep issues. Homer. 
Uh, thank you so much, Frederick. Enjoy that Medal um, of Valor. <laughs> well deserved, my friend. Um, uh, by the way, someone, someone had made some kind of swipe about just like, it's the same people. That's because they're all in the president's circle. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, it is the same people. You want to you want to you want to priority one access to the mail hail bag situation? <laughs> Not really the hail bag. Then join and uh, you're in. There's, Come on. There's a post in there and uh, every for every episode we put up and um, just post under that post for your for your commentary. Now look at that first. Priority one messages are open, buddy. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right. Who's first? Katie Croft, Lieutenant Katie Croft, writes us uh, on the same theme. My issue with the Spot poem has always been that he states that Spot is not sentient. As an owner of a couple of cats, I, I would say they are definitely sentient. Am I missing something? Is my love for cats clouding my judgment? And Stara Safonsi's adds to this. Uh, I just came here to po- I just came here to post about Data saying Spot is not sentient. I got so mad. This is what I was originally going to post. Data says in his Ode to Spot that cats are not sentient. In the simplest definition, sentience is the ability to feel. Activists and philosophers have argued that any being that has the ability to want or experience joy or and pain is sentient, and this includes animals. I have two cats who have wildly different temperaments with different preferences, suggesting they have wants. Uh, one of them uh, enjoys a specific chair in the hot garage, and she purrs, reacts positively, positively when she lays on it. She dislikes being hit by our toddler and reacts <laughs> negatively. I would uh, consider these reactions evidence of her sentience, data, what the hell, man. I, I, I side with our, uh, with our messages. I, I think cats are sentient. I think uh, data is wrong. That's very generous of you. How about lizards? I think that lizards are, you know, they like, uh, it, well, it's hard to say. I mean, if you're an iguana owner or pet lizard owner and, you know, I'm sure that you uh, find that they, they are sentient. I think all animals yeah, it's are about, sentient. I agree with you. That is my point of agreement with Matt for this episode. Done. Somebody make a jingle. Lieutenant Justine Adamek uh, writes us, in DS9, they knew about the TOS crew. So the TNG crew would have known. This is in reference uh, 100% to... A hundred percent. Trials and tribulations. Questions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 I agree. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Lieutenant Denise Kupferschmidt writes us, I've always really loved this episode, but you guys completely broke it for me. I still love you, but God damn it. Why do you have to point out uh, very obvious plot problems? Unfair. <laughs> um, also, I always thought it was hysterical when they all meet up. This is regarding schisms, obviously. When they all meet up, uh, it's all senior staff and then one random lady <laughs> looks like Amy Sedaris. Imagine going to a group therapy session with all of your bosses. Uh, this was really... Funny. This is... The, uh, the Good Point Award this week. <laughs> it's really hilarious. Um, that's basically the equivalent of uh, of uh, Troy doing the uh, the personnel evaluations. And being their counselor, yeah. Yeah. Um, Lieutenant Andrew Gibson writes us, I'm surprised you guys didn't pick up on the B-plot for this episode. Worf almost straight up murdering Mott, the barber, for suggesting he needed to use conditioner. Then, for the rest of the episode, Worf tries to cover it up by playing along with the real kidnapping victims. <laughs> so, you're, you're assuming, your theory is that Worf wasn't actually being kidnapped. He just needed a cover story for snapping He's, at Mott and found it. I like it. 
Worf, Mott was particularly offensive in that partic- in that scene. <laughs> well, you know, he j- but he did. He also to- is weird. He's like, I'm sorry, I just love the luxuriousness of Klingon hair. Like he makes it last longer because he wants to touch his hair more. Well, look, I mean, it's like when you're a craftsman working with the finest of materials, you're gonna I savor see. it. Just want to savor it. Yeah, yeah, fair. You're a real Mott apologist. I am a apologist. Mott, Matt's for Mott. That's my group. That's my offshoot face group. Lieutenant Column Hayes writes us, It's always bothered me that the captain has to ask the computer if anyone is missing from the ship. Shouldn't the computer automatically issue an alert? Or is the computer too busy listening to conversations in hallways so that it will know when uh, to open the turbo lift doors? Also, did a Brit invent the turbo lift as opposed to the turbo elevator? Uh, I think that turbo lift is probably uh it just turbo elevator sounds weird yeah it's not as catchy i can't have it any other way turbo lift but you're also an anglophile very true very true uh bond levin anglophile um frederick sorry now i am playing favorites because i'm going back to frederick rombouts i forgot about his other hail uh i cannot put into words how hard i laughed at andy as Matt's dying mouse at, you know, he gives uh, time codes. I really appreciate it. One thirty-eight thirty-five. if you want to track it down. He says, also, the discussion of Riker being late gave me flashbacks to Best of Both Worlds, uh, part one, when we covered this. Uh, go to 57.55 in that pod episode for a good old, good secunda crack, crack up when Matt points out that Riker himself must always be late to the transporter room since he arrives and immediately accuses Shelby of being late. Did you? You didn't cue that one up, did you? No, I didn't. But the time code is there for everyone else to cue it up. That's true. Enjoy it. Uh, It's very funny. Um, Matt basically says he comes in and and he immediately says the other two are late. It's like, were you early? Were you late? (laughs) You can't. Like, you're not on time. You're obviously late. If you walk into a room and you're on time. (laughs) <laughs> then you would give four or five seconds for someone else to arrive at the same time. I scheduled myself for five minutes after you. I'm early. That's you know that's why Riker's sleep problems were such a big issue on that episode that apparently yeah. were happening before he was being abducted. I, there's a, there's a hail about that, so you'll have to address it. Lieutenant Andrew Gibson writes, I'm surprised you guys didn't pick up on the B... Oh, I already did that one. Uh, I already did that one. Uh, Lieutenant Aussie Andy also needs a pizza, writes... Uh, Andy is 100% spot on with his assertion that they missed the perfect opportunity to do an alien abduction story uh, and link it to the 20th, 21st century by making the aliens, the gray aliens, who are doing, who are just doing a follow-up to their experiments from Roswell. Whether you like these types of tropes in sci-fi or not, linking everything to the 20th, 21st century uh, is exactly what TNG, Star Trek, and a lot of sci-fi always does. Sure. So someone was asleep at the con. Uh, hopefully Andy's pun blindness misses this terrible pun. Is it a pun? It's a switch out. Is that always a pun? What? Sleep at the con instead of asleep at the wheel. What? I don't think that's a pun. It's not a pun. I don't think it's a pun. No. I didn't miss it because it wasn't a pun. I mean, if it was like, hopefully Andy can see the cons of this. Yeah. You know, what he was talking the about. The pros and cons. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Hopefully he can I see I got the, that one, Matt. He can see the cons of Lieutenant Rager being taken. Um, but, uh, yeah. See, she was the con w- officer. Forget it. 
This is so strange, Matt, because Ensign Rager is the topic of our next hail. Gotcha, okay. We're really in sync. Lieutenant Joe Moran doesn't care. <laughs> Lieutenant Joe Moran, a.k.a. Muscles Ripley, writes us, Hey, guys, sad to see Lene Chapman. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, as Ensign Rager in her final TNG episode. What a downer. Oh, wow. That's me. Uh, but she does go on to star. Uh, this is hilarious for me. In another sci-fi show, Space Above and Beyond. Andy should check it out as it is a precursor to the BSG reboot. Uh, Chapman also starred in, two, in the 2001 film Rat Race, playing the estranged daughter of one Hoopai Goldberg. Mm. I wonder if they talked about their time on the Enterprise during the movie production. Thanks and stay safe, guys. This is particularly... This is me now, uh, Matt. Um, this is particularly ridiculous for me because I loved Space Above and Beyond. <laughs> and I have, my face blindness was in such full effect that I couldn't even spot uh, Lene Chapman. Look, Andy, your face blindness uh, works so much until it somehow doesn't work and you recognize someone from something from 43 years ago. I guess I need to recognize it. Maybe me, Space Above and Beyond wasn't, wasn't something big. Maybe that was the problem. Ah, there's the... I like that clarification. Here's another mainstay, Nacho Lopez Echeverria, who writes us, Next episode jingle fixed since I realized Borg Node rhymes with episode. The lyrics of the next episode jingle have been bothering me. Um, P.S. I'm like a month and a half behind the podcast, so I don't know who did the Andy Needs a Sandwich jingle, but I wanted to congratulate them. Um, for your information, Nacho, it was Lieutenant Commander Jeff Mullins. <laughs> and uh, so here's the new next episode jingle. Uh... Yes, here it is," said Andy. Sorry, I didn't and mean then, to. And then I put you on the spot. And then I played it. Uh, where did it go? Uh, classic me. This classic has been a long, me. long podcast day for Matt. Uh, Andy's got one podcast to do. <laughs> Andy and lives doing it. The, just this beautiful pod, one podcast to think about life. <laughs> Guys, we can all dream of the one podcast life. <laughs> it is a dream. Uh, I'm going to just pull it again here and, and drop it right here. Here we go. We cross the many doors, the many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. <laughs> was, it, nice. was it worth the resend? I think so. Thank you, <laughs> oh, Nacho. Nacho's, uh, this is the director's cut of the next episode jingle. I love it. Um, okay, that's the, uh, that's it for the, uh... That's it for the for Priority One messages. We have to now correct. leave the president's circle. And open up the hail bag. Captain, Captain we are being hailed. Did anybody, nobody in the president's circle, uh, said anything about the... Scotty scene that I cut together, spent so much time on. I thought of all the people who would actually hear it, they would be among them. Let me see. Um, I think most of the chatter about it was in the uh, Facebook group. Oh, those are they, they? They listened to the whole thing. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make sure people got to hear it. Oh yeah, yeah. Every yeah, everybody loved it. There was everybody were they were obsessed with it. <laughs> um, okay, uh, this is going to be the uh, voice hail. 
Unless you're not ready, I could. Which is from Craig. Skip on down. Correct. Here it is. Hey guys, this is Craig from Brooklyn, New York. I uh, just wanted to chime in and say that my name, which is spelled C R A I G, is supposed to be pronounced Craig, but a lot of people say Craig as if it rhymes with Greg. It doesn't. But I don't get upset. And that's just English speaking Americans getting it right or wrong all the time. So I would imagine that in the vast reaches of space with thousands of different alien species using Mm. various appendages to make languages, they might say Deanna, Deanna, Doanna, all sorts of different things. And I don't think it would really make a difference to Deanna. My two cents. Keep up the good work. You know what? I am on board with it, mostly. (laughs) <laughs> Except for the universal translator, which should just pick one. <laughs> um, Matt, I can tell you, uh, Kyle Barker, uh, who does all the uh, TNC comics, K Barks, yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Lieutenant Commander Kyle Barker. Lieutenant Commander K Barks. K Barks. He did. He took your your masterpiece, mm-hmm. your re-edited masterpiece. And he made, you know, he has, he does all those TNC comics. He has yeah. figures that are stand-ins for us. He uh, he made a, a basically it wasn't animated, but he basically manipulated figures to play out <laughs> the entire clip, including our commentary. It would cut to us <laughs> commenting on the scene. Oh, so that's fine. That shows the level of commitment people had to your. That's uh, great to your your finest work i'm glad they enjoyed um okay uh let's see uh schisms up josh stafford uh i think that picard getting a higher percentage than all the previously reviewed seasons of next generation is the greatest plot twist revealed in podcast history i promise i don't mean this in a snarky manner love the show but do you think it's bizarre that by the time the experiment uh, of the podcast wraps up. The description might be something like a lifelong Trekkie undertakes a quest to introduce his friend and coworker to the world of Next Generation. Upon doing so, after dissecting years of the series, he comes to the stunning realization that he doesn't actually like the Next Generation all that much. <laughs> <laughs> I, also, my favorite episode is Relics. So sad. Josh Ottawa, Ontario. Uh, Josh, uh, thank you for pointing that out. Look, I love I love TNG. I can't. I can't help but love it. But when you have to sit here and talk about it, the minutia just happens, you know? It's a certain personality. Both of us are that personality. <laughs> that uh, I mean, I pulls at the that strings. It's, it's just, you know, it's the nerd in all of us. Yeah. Um, I'm nerdy about is... Star Trek and also nerdy about television writing and production. Thank you. Uh, yep, me too. Uh, our next hail is delightful. Um, it is from Jordan Maywood, uh, who does the podcast The Libro Cube, or Libro Cube. Um, he says, "Hello, I love the deep dive into Star Trek lore. Who cares if it's not canon? If you get to hear Scotty recommended Jordy for a captainship." Um, <laughs> anyway, I thought you might. Uh, this might be an app jingle since you already have some Rat Pack uh, representation. Thank you for everything, Jordan Maywood. This is regarding the request for a memory beta jingle. We had one last week. We're gonna have one this week, and uh, and there may be another one next week. So, 
Buckle uh, up. I wish I had done a dive, a memory beta dive into. There is one I Q. dug out. Oh yeah, you can. And that was another thing. If you want, uh, this can be an ongoing segment. So if anybody's got well, memory, memory beta be, stuff, they want to send in. It's supposed to be an ongoing segment. And, yeah, uh, but I dug I don't out. We need had some people to send things in. I can do the work. Oh, you, I thought you hated memory beta. I thought that was the whole point. Oh, I'm not going to go into memory beta and find it. I'm going to do the listening. I'm going to I'm going to fucking listen to audiobooks up the wazoo like I've been doing. Oh, I see. You're going to bring your own f- Wow, that's going the long way. Well, it's a nice way to go to sleep, honestly. If John Delancey can read me a Q novel, then I'm on board. Sure. Uh all right. So here is the memory beta jingle. Memory beta. That's funny. Uh, Here is the uh, memory beta uh, segment uh, that I dug out of an old email. uh, So old it was regarding Leah Brahms. Uh, Hey, Matt and Andy. Um, I'm just going to send you something here. Um, Whoops. Sorry. This is, I'm really making a mess of this. What are you doing? Um, so he says, hey, Matt and Andy, uh, so I know Matt dislikes stuff that isn't exactly canon, memory beta and novels, but uh, see, he thought so too. But I figured I should let y'all know that Jordy does eventually, and then he uses a Star Trek-themed euphemism um, for have sex with Leah Brahms. It's one of, uh, it's in a few of the books that they hook up after Brahms' husband dies. They were also uh, going to be, they were, they were also going to be a couple during the wedding in Star Trek Nemesis, but the actress couldn't make it, so it was written rewritten for Guinan. Thank you for keeping me laughing at work and getting weird looks uh, from coworkers. Dalton H. from South Carolina. P.S. Uh, if the euphemism he put in there is a bit too much, I'll include a few others here to switch with it. Um, and Matt, these are... Did it, is it coming through? Uh, no, nothing will come through that you play on your computer. No, no. The oh, there you go. Oh, weird. Why is it? There what's, you go. What's happening? What are you doing? Are you? I just messages? texted it. I oh. chatted it to you, and then you can decide for yourself as the captain of the ship whether they're appropriate to read or not. Oh, These are well, he's just got a lot of euphemisms that uh, that one might use uh, for uh, getting a pitch in the strike zone. Uh, crawl through Leah Brahms's Jeffrey's tubes. Inspect her warp nacelles. Realign her warp field. Jordy makes it so. <laughs> That's it. Uh, uh, those are all very uh, dumb. <laughs> um, and I mean that in a, like you know. So is Strike Zone. Um, uh, man overboard protocol. Uh, from Sarah Fall. Uh, she says, "Hey Andy, so I just finished listening to the Schisms Pod. I was shocked that you and Mad Matt, not Mad, Mad Matt." Uh, didn't point out how insane it was that Picard or Worf or someone was not immediately notified when a crew member left the ship. Like, they're in the middle of space and they have to activate activate a yellow alert to be notified of people coming on and off uh, the ship. If you were on a an aircraft carrier in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and someone left the ship, you would be like, huh, well, no need to tell the captain. You know, he didn't specifically ask if someone had left, so we're all good. Uh, they can't just go out for a stroll. They're in space for fuck's sake. This point annoyed me. Insane. Just saying. Definitely supports Andy's theory that the computer is a dick. And on that note, Troy would be completely able to tell too. Okay, rant over. Have a nice day and notify me if you leave the ship. I think this is a really good point. <laughs> uh, 
I like it. I'm on board. Thank you so much. And um, I feel and like the, the computer's thing- like the computer probably is like you just you didn't ask. I'm not gonna uh, tell clearly, you <laughs> I think her question is why wasn't it programmed that way in the first place? But uh, maybe it just seems so so impossible that anyone would leave the ship in in a non classic you know beaming or shuttlecraft leaving way. Um, and the last thing is a prime corrective. Oh, well, I didn't know a prime corrective was coming, but guess what? I'm almost probably ready. Time for retrospective. Cause truth is our objective. It's a prime corrective because Matt and he got it wrong. I want to do my best with this name, Tony. Tony Casimiglio um, writes us, Dear Andy and Matt, in the latest podcast episode for Schisms, you both say that Riker's sleep problems begin before the aliens are abducting the Enterprise crew members because it starts before LaForge brings the new sensor modifications online, but you're missing a line of dialogue from the first few minutes of the episode. At 1.20 seconds, LaForge tells Riker that they have been testing a way to channel warp energy to the main deflector grid. These tests would have taken several days, and even just this test would have alerted the subspace aliens to the Enterprise crew's realm and allowed them to begin abducting crew members. Love the podcast. Keep it up. Matt's making a a skeptical face. He's not sure on this one. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Buying it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a valid uh, observation. Uh huh. But I just feel like it needed a little more clarity than that. It's uh, it's now a prime dispute more than a. It's a prime disputive. <laughs> I didn't know we had a prime dispute. <laughs> we had. We didn't until now. Here, but uh, here, 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 you can have this anyway. It made perfect sense. Matt didn't get it because he's way too tired. But somebody got it, sent in a hail, and now the plot points side. There you go. If you would like to send in a regular hail, uh, send it into sdtncpod at gmail.com. Um, you can find uh, the other gentleman on, who hosts this podcast at Matt Myra. On Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at Andrew Secunda on Twitter or at Secunda on Twitter. Uh, you can send a voice hail at 816-TREK-TNC or for Priority One messages. Find the post for this episode in our Patreon. Okie dokie, it's time to get to the new episode, and uh, here's the new song to get us there. We crossed the many doors to many places, your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your little Borg node, let's talk about this week's episode. Uh, yeah, Borg node, worth it, I think. Definitely. Uh, this is True Q. It aired the week of October 26th, 1992. Andy, what was happening at that time? The number one song in the U.S., Matt, continued to be End of the Road by Boys to Men. I just, they, the hits, just they just keep going. Let's go. Here we are. The number one. Sorry. Go ahead, Andy. That's okay. I was going to tell you the number one song in the U.K. The number one song in the U.K., was Sleeping Satellite by Tasman Archer. Tasmin? I don't know who that is. Sorry. We uh, played it last week. Oh, we did? Yeah. 
Oh, it was sort of. It's another it was, R&B. It was song, worse yeah. than the other one. Oh, it was good. Okay. Oh no, yeah, that no. one was okay. That was right. Yeah. That it was. An ex- it was, was a good not one. Ebenezer yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> no, no, that was wasn't Ebenezer Good. Uh, the number one movie was Under Siege. The number one book was The Tale of the Body Thief by Anne Rice. That wasn't a good. By one. the way, I, I love that Wright and Fred are in a COVID pod together. Like they're obviously oh, they're obviously just decided we'll live together and <laughs> hang out in the pod. You think they're they're sort of in Bert and Ernie kind of beds with their are they siblings? <laughs> Oh, are they siblings? I didn't I know that. So. I always thought they were. Oh. Maybe they're not. I don't know. It makes sense. They look very similar. Um, the number one TV show that week was Roseanne. Uh, some events. Ross Perot buys blocks of TV time to run infomercials for his presidential campaign. And that's what was going on. That week uh, history. They're not. They're not siblings. They just. They just share a look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh no, they are Fred Fairbass and, and Richard. Fred and Richard Fair, Fairbrass. The Fairbrass brothers, brothers really did it. That's a that's a that's a good that's a good English name, Fairbrass. Yeah, they he was the fairest brass dealer in the, all of the kingdom. <laughs> he thusly was named Fairbrass. You can uh, come to my stool, crappy brass. Nope, we're going to Fairbrass. You're but trying to cheat brass. us. You're trying to cheat us with your prices. We're going to Fairbrass. Uh, all right. That's the news on that side of things, and uh, it's time to check out the other side of things, and that, of course, means to check in on Frank Sinatra to find out what the hell was going on with the chairman of the board. Where the hell did I put that sound? <laughs> ah, here it Frank is. Frank Sinatra, oh, come on. Da, 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 da. Time for that segment, everybody hates. Frank Sinatra, come on. Now, uh, we have an interesting thing because Kevin Ryman uh, sent us um, a a song that I had never heard before that is a Biggie Smalls song that's pretty awesome. And and it has a lyric that you'll all recognize, and it has a cameo appearance uh, by... (laughs) By a very familiar voice in it, also. Come on, motherfuckers, come on. Come on, motherfuckers, come on. Come on, motherfuckers, come on. Gotta have you near all the Pretty crazy. It's also a great Biggie Small song. Um, all right, here's what was going on with Frank. Frank was taking it easy and getting ready for round two of multiple shows at Radio City Music Hall following his seven-night appearance earlier this month. He would then what? hit the... He did another week? Did I say that last week? No, just his seven-night appearance earlier in the month. Oh, you're right. Frank, you did it. not slow down. Jesus, the hardest working man in show business right after James Brown. Um, He would then hit the road again for concerts in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Richfield, Ohio, and Auburn, Michigan. Oh, Frank, so busy in the early 90s. Frankie. I love you. All right. <clears throat> Time to talk about True Q, which was uh, directed by Robert Shearer and written by Rene Achevaria, and it was based upon material by Matthew Corey. Oh, interesting. A classic. I sent it in, and 
they just turned into a script. A young honor student's world is turned upside down when she realizes during her enterprise stint that the powers she's been trying to ignore mean she's actually a member of the Q continuum of super beings. Picard's old nemesis Q himself turns up to take the girl back with him, but he agrees to let the girl decide her own destiny with either humanity or the continuum. The girl, Amanda, is confused and torn between the newfound abilities Q tempts her with and her love for her old friends, even willing Riker into a romantic fantasy until his lack of reality grows disappointing when Data discovers that her supposedly natural human parents were killed by an odd tornado on Earth. Q admits the two were actually executed as renegades from the continuum and that the same fate might befall Amanda. Informed of this, the furious girl gets Q to back down from his original agreement, but he tells her that if she remains with the humans, she must pledge to give up her powers. That seems an easy task until Amanda can't help herself by intervening in a planetary disaster and sadly realizes the best choice for all of her is to go live among her own kind. There you go. Originally titled Q Me (laughs) until well after live filming was finished. You me. I, uh, I don't mind that at all. And is that pun blindness? I don't even understand. It's like who me? Oh, you me. I see. see, there you go. Good I missed God. the pun. God, good God, Andy. Whatevs. You gotta just understand all the all the cues, all the cues puns. Is that right, Boston Captain? Uh, it sure is. Uh, all right, so let's hop on in here with what I would describe as a, such a weird premise for an episode. <laughs> An honor student is welcomed aboard. (laughs) We have arrived at Starbase 112 and are loading relief supplies destined for Tagra 4, an ecologically devastated planet in the Argolis cluster. We have also taken on a rather unusual passenger. Why is this why are they not at a Starbase in this exterior shot? Uh, that's a good point. It's like just a Maybe question. They, ran they, out. Have, they have a stock shot of it in a starbase. Just use it. Maybe where the camera is is where the starbase is. I see. Thank you, sir. And congratulations. I understand that you were selected for this internship out of hundreds of applicants. Yes, sir. I still can't believe they chose me. There were lots of other people with better records. Her transcript is very impressive. She's done honors work in neurobiology, plasma dynamics, and echo regeneration. I'd say that's pretty well-rounded. Well, that's a nice way of saying that I haven't decided what I'm going to do with my life. I've arranged to have you work in all the major departments while you're here. <laughs> the, the reaction shot of Picard, like, it's so, I'm he's still so, here. He's so awkward in this scene. <laughs> this scene makes me think, going along with my theory that Picard is a virgin, maybe Picard is like a big. Maybe he's like... What does that mean? The, Tom Hanks from Big. He's kind oh, of like, I see. He's like a big. <laughs> he's a child in an adult body. Uh, he really why, acts why, that way in this Why scene. do you say that? He's just standing there like he doesn't know what to do. Oh, I think he's standing there because he doesn't like children. Oh, you think that's it? he is like, what? I, I got to fucking deal with this child, this student who might get into Starfleet Academy on my fucking, in my ready room while I have I a medical crisis weird. to deal with. I'm annoyed. I'm Captain Picard. I'll just stand here politely. And that's Given why that, the, second, actually... the second Riker comes in, he's like, please take her to her quarters. Right. <laughs> he, uh, he, he gives her words of encouragement, though. He does. Uh, it's a unique opportunity. Uh, avail yourself of it. And I'm willing to bet that by the time it's over, you'll have a pretty good idea what field you're interested in. Or at least what field you're not interested in. Come. We're bringing up the rest of the cargo now. We should be ready to leave within the hour. 
Commander, will you escort Miss Rogers to her quarters? I need to discuss the Tegrin's medical needs with Dr. Crusher. And Miss Rogers... I need to go back to captaining. You've won yourself a rare opportunity. Avail yourself of it. I will, sir. And thank you. <laughs> It'll take you a few days before you know where everything is. If you need any help, you just use use one of these comm panels. Um... We're on deck seven, section four. Wow. You're right. She knows her stuff. I memorize the specs on the way over here. You're a quick study. This is it. Is this for me? It's all yours. In her day, so, even an admiral wouldn't have had such quarters. <laughs> it really felt like it was that same scene again. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is also, a funny. It's a funny end of the cold open where last last week it was a poem about a cat and someone sleeping, and this week it's puppies that show up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a problem with it. As cute as a button. I did one thing that did, I did note. I mean, it's it's in every episode, but then this one it was particularly clear that they were. It seemed like they were blocking it because she has all this dialogue out away from Riker. That it, they're trying to get it all in that one shot, even though it's clearly a face-to-face scene. Well, it's a walk and talk. It's a walk and talk, but once they come in the room, then she's giving all of her dialogue to the room. Well, she's taking it all in. Uh huh. Well, it's it's justifiable. In, in, her I'm not day, it's, in her day, even an admiral wouldn't have <laughs> such quarters. Well, walking me down. Sure. I bet as soon as he walked out of there, he's like, you still got it, Riker. (laughs) (laughs) He seems uh, uh, uncharacteristically not not, uh, interested. He's sort of the age difference. I'm going to go ahead and take the Picard school of thought here. (laughs) He's just got shit to do. (laughs) She's a child and he's trying to run a rescue operation. (laughs) Right. Oh, no, no, no. And also, he's got that date with that other brunette. That's true. I guess he's got other stuff going on. But he plays it once she does a full court press on him. She, he turns her down, but it's not clear that he's turning her down because of the age difference. He's sort of leaving the door a little open. Well, he's like, maybe in, in, in 20 years you give me a call. I see. You guys can't stay here. The puppies are cute. Yeah. Come on, all of you. I wish I knew nothing about the episode and was like, oh, that's the cue sound. What the hell's happening? Oh. Uh, I My favorite thing in this episode is the wasted space in the tri- the medical tricorder shelving unit, which yeah. is this immense bookshelf that has two tricorders f- closed on every shelf. You're in good shape. Sure. You might just live to be my age. Now, all these tricorders need to be tested. <laughs> I know, they I know be... space is not at a premium on the Enterprise. <laughs> There's plenty of it, and they can devote endless amounts of shelving to whatever they want, but it just seems like it could have been a third of the size. <laughs> can you imagine how many how many pads, like uh, cabinets with pads that they have to get space for? Yeah, especially because <laughs> so they, gotta... like, they hadn't quite conceptualized the fact that everything could be accessed from one pad. Right, like, because there's there are scenes with Riker and or or Picard with like four to twelve pads on the desk when they're really crunching some problems. Yeah. Anyway, here we Two. go. I don't remember anything about them. Sometimes I wonder what they were like. 
Your adoptive parents are in Starfleet, aren't they? Yeah, they're marine biologists. They've just been posted to the Bilaran system. Sickbay to Dr. Crusher. You wanted to be told when the cultures were ready. On my way. When you- Here's what I would have done. I would have been like, again, I love this episode. And guess what? It's nitpick time, everybody. I would have used the medical tricorder <laughs> like a medical tricorder is used. <laughs> Uh-huh. I would have taken the salt shaker out of the top of it, which is the actual medical probe, and I would have scanned uh-huh. myself with it while holding the tricorder not upside down. Is she holding it upside down? Yes, the, the whole time. Here, look. So- <laughs> there. No. Jack yeah. died when he was five. That's, parents uh, died when I was a baby, too. That's on the directors. I don't remember. Well, look, Robert Shearer. That's on Robert Shearer. I don't know what you were doing, but... Uh, I like that she's or like. Actually, it's more. It's more script script supervisor. That's on script supervisor. Uh, it's really. I, I think it's interesting that like there. She's like, go help Nurse Ogawa load this stuff, and then she appears alone. I feel like but she's then in the Nurse wide Ogawa. shot. In the wide shot, though, Ogawa's in it. Oh, she is. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. Thank you very much for your help. Either way, Nurse Ogawa. Not a not an under it's five in sight. We've ever mounted. Now, why are you bringing everything down in shuttlecraft? Well. Because we can't use the transporters for all the ionization in the Tagran atmosphere. From the barostatic filters? How did you know that? I did a paper on eco-regeneration. Hmm. Well, then you know that a thousand barostatic filters puts out quite a bit of ionization. A thousand? Yeah, they've managed to pollute their atmosphere pretty badly. It's amazing to think that they go to such lengths to clean the air instead of regulating the emissions that cause the problem. Yeah, you're right. Actually... The only thing the filters can do is keep things from getting worse. They shoot the air full of... Commander, are you all right? You okay? Oh, it's not Ogawa. I, I just saw a brunette medical person. Aha, uh-huh, you have face Ogawa. blindness too. <laughs> I have medical extra blindness. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... Uh... So then uh, Olivia Dabo screwed Nurse Ogawa out of an under five. All she had to do was let her help her bring the tricorders down to the, sh- to the shuttle bay. <laughs> I bet that was like a contingency on her agreeing to do the show. <laughs> She's like, look, I'll only do this if I don't, I get all of Nurse Ogawa's lines. <laughs> uh, that's very funny to me. I don't know why that's funny to me, but that's funny to me. Okay, here we go. Energy is harnessed in there. Imagination is not necessary. The scale is readily quantifiable. We are presently generating 12.75 billion gigawatts per... The temperature I, I, reaction chamber has increased... Look, I love it. I know Q created the warp core breach, but every time the warp core is going to breach and, and they get to evacuate uh, uh, engineering, uh, I'm delighted by the scene. Doesn't matter what's happening. It was exciting. By 47%. Injector couplings are frozen. I can't slow down the reaction. I mean, it's just like, I like seeing, like, what the fuck they do when shit is hitting the fan and they literally cannot stop it. Yeah, it's, and I think it was it was effective in terms of a tension way, in a way that many of the, many times there's an episode that where there's actually a problem that they slowly build to, and you don't feel this level of danger and tension. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, but this is an early contender for MVC. True damage. I mean, the ship is going to blow up. Are you saying she stopped? She it. is six percent at right. The forged bridge. We're looking at a core breach. We're gonna have to try and vent the plasma. 
Plasma inductors are not responding. We're gonna lose containment. All right, everybody, out of here now. Let's go, let's move it. Data, bring down the isolation door. We're gonna have to eject the warp core. in the reaction chamber has returned to normal. You're welcome. Look at LeVar Burton giving a, a raised eyebrow reaction through visor. Yeah. Pretty guy, impressive. Guy uh, never got to use his eyes, which is usually an actor's uh, uh, most emotive uh, part, and he but nails it all the time. You read visor. it on his face. She's human. There's nothing more unusual about her. Not that my instruments can detect. Not that your instruments can detect. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I had her check all the tricorders myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, sir. I I held the tricorder like this. That's upside down, (laughs) Beverly. (laughs) Oh. I'll have Nurse Ogawa check the tricorders. (laughs) And then suddenly it's like the laws of physics went right out the window. And why shouldn't they? They're so inconvenient. Uh, I love the, just the real, the Newman kind of, <laughs> uh, it's delightful. I, and I also like this whole, like, let's just keep him in a captain's uniform forever now. Sure. Is it, is now, is that a captain's uniform he's in and not an admiral's uniform? Cause it's he was an admiral uniform. before, wasn't he? He was once back in the old, uh, the second Q episode that I can't remember the name of. Uh, no, I think... Are you responsible for this incident in engineering? Of course. I needed to find out if what I suspected about the girl were true. That being that she's Q. Amanda's a Q? How is that possible? Her, her parents, her biological parents, were human. Well, not exactly. They had assumed human form. Um, <laughs> watch that. Watch, watch Lamar Burton's posture. And that's, it's very funny to me. He just really is like... Not into Q. <laughs> Amanda's a Q? How is that possible? Her, her parents, her biological parents were human. Well, not exactly. They had assumed human form. This guy. No I'm checking out of this conversation. For amusement. But in vulgar human fashion, they proceeded to conceive a child. And then, like mockish human, Q winks at Crusher. Became attached Very to funny. Him. Yeah, he's John Delancey. What is it about these squirming little infants that you find so appealing? I'm sure that's beyond your comprehension, Q. I desperately hope so. What happened to Amanda's parents? They died in an accident. None of us knew whether she had inherited the capacities of the Q, but recently they've begun to emerge, and uh, as an expert in humanity, I was sent to investigate. You, an expert in humanity? Not a very challenging field of study, I grant you. (laughs) Are you saying that you created a core breach just to test this girl? Uh-huh. What would have happened if she couldn't stop it? <laughs> then I would have known she wasn't a Q. And now that so you are. Good. <laughs> I wish they had left a little more space there. For a reaction from somebody else. From the people just like, from what the Jordy? hell is he talking about? No, like, Part of the I thing would have known she wasn't a Q. And just like, even a raised eyebrow from Jordy would have been very funny to me. I guess what I like about this this scene is... This is great. Ba- this is a great basketball team at this point. They've all worked together. They know what Q is going to do when he comes in. 
John Delancey is having the time of his life, but he's not overplaying it because you could easily go overboard, which I think he had in earlier performances. And th- as far as I'm concerned, this episode, if I had any doubts about Q, has completely won me over. Like, he completely crushes it in this episode. Welcome to the Q Club. Comedically, in terms of performance, just, and writing-wise, they just nail it. It's just really, this scene is a masterpiece. Good to have you on the Q Club. We've been waiting a while for you. Welcome to Q Club. Oh, what do you intend to do? Instruct her. If this child does not learn how to control her power, she may accidentally destroy herself. Or all of you. Or perhaps your entire galaxy. I find it hard to believe that you're here to do us a favor. You're quite right, I wouldn't. But there are those in the continuum who have an over-exaggerated sense of responsibility. They think that we need to take precautions to keep the little deer from running amok. And once you've taught her, then you'll go away? And leave her here? Of course not. She'll come back to the continuum where she belongs. Wait a minute. You, you can't just come in here and take her away from everything she's ever known. <laughs> I assure you I can. She has plans for herself. She wants to have a career and a family. I'm rescuing her from that miserable existence. <laughs> that miserable existence is all she's known for the last 18 years. You have no right to take her away from it. Mongabita, I really think that we need to speak privately. What I love is just even the subtlety of... Well, there, that's better. I assure you, I can. <laughs> is not just the the cockiness and the incredulousness. It like, like, you don't think I can do that? I'm omnipotent. But also, that he looks a little bit at the rest of the people in the room like, what's wrong with her? <laughs> well, you're all on my side, right? It's just such it's a also, great performance. Like, this, is the, like, this is the episode of, uh, like, that he is completely annoyed by Crusher. Beverly. Like yeah. That's, and that's the C runner of this episode is that he is annoyed. You have the B runner. She lo- that uh, Amanda loves Riker uh, yeah. has a crush on Riker. And the C runner is <laughs> Q hates Beverly Crusher. It's so good. And he's slowly gone through most, a lot of the crew and done different things, definitely with Riker at least and Picard. But uh, this is such a good use of Beverly in this episode. It's really a good plot for her. Yeah, they gave her and something to do. Organic, yeah. Crusher gets more shrill with each passing year. Q, what is it you really want? Well, since you know so much about the Q, I thought you'd be the perfect person to introduce me to the child. Let her know that she can trust me. I don't trust you, Q. Why should I expect Amanda to? Well, she better, because I'm all she's got. She needs me to help her prepare for her future with the Q. But what if she doesn't want that future? It must be her decision. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Do you think that she will want to remain an enfeebled mortal? But if she really is Q, she must understand what that means. Very well. I will introduce you, but... We cannot argue like this in front of her. We must at least appear to be... Pals. (laughs) Civil. I knew I'd count on you, Jean-Luc. I wish the rest of the episode. So good. I wish the rest of the episode was these two raising a baby, and it was two men and a baby. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> submit it in the nineties. Dear Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know about her biological parents, about their death. 
Uh, also, I love I love when uh, Q bursts through, walks through the wind door, and then Picard tries to come in and go, "This is Q." <laughs> it's so great. There's my girl, Amanda. Uh, <laughs> allow me to introduce uh, Q. Uh, he's um, he's an acquaintance of ours. We've uh, we've known him for years. Very impressive the way you contain that explosion. What else have you done? I, I don't understand. Telekinesis, teleportation, spontaneous combustion of someone you don't like. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> I wish he should have looked at Beverly for that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's true. That Keep would have that. made more sense. Keep yeah. that runner going. Yeah. Uh, all right. What? You... I don't want to go anywhere. Don't worry. With time, you'll overcome the disadvantages you suffered as a child. No one will hold it against you for having been human. Let's go. Leave me alone. I'm not going anywhere with you. You agree that she has a right to choose her own future. The first chance you get, you try to abduct her. You're over <laughs> I want to know what happened between scenes where right, where uh, Picard was like, I'm going to change into my more comfortable Picard again. <laughs> it is chilly. <laughs> it is chilly in here. I'm going to change. It's a draft, and it's coming really from the dynamics between <laughs> these two. Uh, has a vested interest in this young woman. If you wish to protect that investment, I suggest that you approach her differently. Oh, she was being impetuous. She'll just have to start behaving like a cue. I'm not mistaken. She just did. Ooh, snap. We do need an air horn. I don't know why I haven't pulled one yet. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, in many ways, this is like a very small story. It is, and it's a, really... but like a, a really well done and very. Uh, I mean, each each step in the story makes sense. There's nothing where you're like, "Oh, wait that that shouldn't have happened" or "That wouldn't happen." It all felt very uh, organic to the characters. I know, and this is kind of like uh, this is the thing. In the past, I feel like Q is sort of used as sort of a Deus ex machina kind of. Um, way to make plot happen in a somewhat inorganic way and because it's built like this from the ground up and you sort of understand his motivations and her motivations and the crew's motivations it's just it's very it's just a great use of this pretense of an omnipotent being and in this episode I think more than any of the ones we've seen thus far there's a logical laying out of what the Q can do and maybe even hinting at why they can do it it's just very well drawn, and every, as you it, say, every they, story. Wait, wait, I hit to get why they can do it. What is it? What do you think it is? Uh, well, uh, Picard later in wait, why or what or how? Sorry, <laughs> do you mean why they why they do what they do? Is that uh, your question? Why they? You said how and why they can do it. Oh, I meant why they what their motivations. Might I gotcha. Be. I gotcha. I was wondering if I missed some subtle dialogue about what made the Q the Q. Well, there isn't. There is an implication of that the Q continuum can yeah. take out other Q, and that they destroy her parents. That's new information. But they were human at that point. Is the suggestion that they weren't also Q, even though they were human? Like uh, they'd given up their powers? Is that the idea? 
right? Doesn't he say they give her their powers, but then they use their powers? And that's why they were destroyed. But I guess that's what I'm well, saying I guess, is... I guess the Continuum can kill a Q. I mean, the Continuum took... They probably took away their powers and then killed them. Because, the, you know, if you think back to uh, Season 4, uh, uh, Deja Q, I think, is the name of the episode. It's uh, when he loses his powers. They take the powers away from Q. Oh, right. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Please. You've got a deal. The first free hour you have, I want to see you in the medical lab. I have an experiment I need your help with. Yes, ma'am. You're going to ruin it. (laughs) Your progress, Q. As anticipated, there are some problems. I need time. However, there is the possibility we won't have to terminate the girl. Oh. He's learned. He's changed. Come in. Hello, my dear. Do you think anyone, like, there's got to be crew members on on the ship that don't know that Q is Q and just see a captain walking down the halls? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've been told I behaved badly. I apologize. Apparently you had every reason to chastise me. But then again, what's done is done, right? I'd like to ask you some questions. Anything. What exactly are the Q? It'd be so much easier to show you than to tell you. If you would agree to take a short visit to the Continuum... No. Just tell me. Well, to put it simply, we're omnipotent. There's nothing. Nothing we can't do. And what do you do with this power? Anything we want. Do you use it to help others? <laughs> I think you've missed the point, my dear. Clearly, you spend far too much time with humans. As a cue, you can have your heart's desire instantly, whatever that may be. Would you like precious jewels, works of art? Would you like to? Why would a Why would a cue want jewels? I'm not <laughs> I don't know. That's a weird first thing that he says. You're a cue, but surely there must be something that you want something that you never dreamed was possible tell me Amanda what is it I'd like to know what my parents look like just like Harry Potter my real parents Oh my gosh, my parents were translucent. <laughs> they don't look nearly as British as I do. <laughs> um, all right, so then she goes to the medical lab for Crusher's experiment. Mitosis experiment? From each of the dishes. Mitosis, right. You seem distracted. Well, I just saw my parents. My real parents. That was fake asshole. <laughs> they were see-through. Can you imagine how that felt? No, I don't think I can. 
You know, you were right. I can't ignore what's happened to me. I just don't know if I can cope with it. Amanda, you are stronger than you think. You know, when I saw them there, right in front of me, I realized that I caused this to happen. I wanted to see them, and I did. If it were you, if suddenly you could have anything you wanted. She's really leading her in this conversation. <laughs> Beverly's like, does it clearly knows what she's saying. She doesn't answer it. And then she's like, yeah, but what about your husband? No, think about it. Really think. If suddenly you could make anything happen, what would it be? Well, I would probably want to heal people. People who are hopelessly ill. Hmm. Would you bring your husband back? This girl's a little weird. <laughs> What's up? She's weird. She's a weird girl. She's not weird. She's a Q. The Q are selfish. Uh-huh. Inherently uh, you, so. Do you think the Q are inherently selfish? I do. He was implying, Q was implying that the Q continuum is sort of more concerned with morality than he is, or not destroying yeah, the universe well, or look, whatever. Yeah, well, look, the Q, uh, maybe the collective good is better than the individual Q, but, like, I mean, his first thing, you want jewels? Art? <laughs> Well, that just seems weird. Well, I just think it's all very there. There's some selfishness, I think, inherent in the queue. And, and, but even and if there was selfishness, they would they wouldn't care about that shit. Right, but he's trying to think of like what a human would care about. Right, 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 right. For themselves. Right. It's time for another lesson. Well, I have to finish this experiment first. What are you doing? We're delivering live vaccine bacilli to Tagra. I'm supposed to find the best nutrient solution so we can keep them living while they're in stasis. Fascinating. Oh, I just had a splendid idea. Why don't we combine what you're doing with our lesson and we'll show you how to finish in no time? Well, I think that I should finish it the way Dr. Prusher showed me. Oh, first. I'm sure she'd be delighted if we sped things along. I mean, think what it would mean. You could double, even triple the workload. Well, Good. I guess so. Now, as you take a look at the tissue samples, if you're Borman, yes, omnipotent, yes, we've had this conversation before about his. Um, he's not omniscient, but he is omnipotent. Yes, but if you're omnipotent, can't you decide to be omniscient? Mm, uh, maybe that's a level of uh, purity that the Q uh, strive for, and no one yeah. has achieved yet. Because he comes in and he's like, what is the experiment? And he, you know, theoretically, he would know or I could mean, access that information. he always says he's a Q. He can do anything he wants. He doesn't know everything. Right. He said, you know, his IQ is a thousand and something, not, you know, not a right. gajillion. Yeah, that's a good distinction. Yeah. For a character. It'll have to be shipped in a stasis field. Will you make the arrangements? I'll get right on it. Captain, message coming in from Tagra 4. 
on screen. That 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 poor guy that that that's working Worf's station. Yeah. Doesn't get to do anything. What do you mean? That is the station where communications come in. That is the station where he'd put things on screen. Data's like, get out of my way. (laughs) He'll want to hear this from me. Watch him hit the button and walk. Enterprise. He looks. He actually has a look when he when he sees them put it up on screen. Oh wait, does oh he puts it up on screen? But you're saying he doesn't get to no, announce it. Data puts it up on screen and walks away. Data hits the button on on the on Worf's console and walks funny back because to the station. The extras look is kind of like hey, I know he emoted really correctly. Funny. Good he's job. Like, Specific acting, brother. This fucking... He's like, this fucking robot again. <laughs> Could be of assistance. I hope so. That's the reason none of us have been promoted. He's worth like <laughs> ten of us. Over to help. By the way, I, I love that you hear Orin Lote speak before, and I, and I thought to myself, ooh, what kind of weirdo alien are we going to see when they turn the camera around? And I was not disappointed. He looks like it was. He's like his face is, a, is Play-Doh that a kid played with. Uh, I mean, look, he's got four nostrils. This guy's got a double nose. He's got a lot of stuff. He's no, got wonder, up face. no wonder the air quality pompadour. is affecting them so badly. They he's have four wearing nostrils. Wearing a string of pearls. No, that's his inhaler. On a string of pearls. Captain, what is it, Mr. Data? <laughs> Why aren't you at your station, by the way? <laughs> Where's Mr. Wolf? He hasn't been in this all episode. I was working on the information Let about Amanda Rogers' parents. <laughs> Their home was destroyed during a tornado. Tornado? Why wasn't it dissipated by the weather modification net? Unknown, sir. Ooh, that's a cool Bodies detail I missed. The after the storm had passed. See if you can find out any more details, Mr. Data. I'd like to know more about that storm. Aye, sir. Well, if it isn't number two. (laughs) I was looking for Dr. Crusher. I didn't know what nutrients she wanted to send with the bacilli. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll tell her to contact you. Thanks. You could stay here. (laughs) So awkward. If you, you know, wanted to. Just tell her I'll be in Shuttle Bay, too. You're attracted to him. I am not. I think you are. How repulsive. (laughs) How do you stand that hair all over his face? Doctor, Commander Riker was just here looking for you. He said he'd be in Shuttle Bay. Um, just go back to the uh, weather modification. Net, yeah. Net. Um, it kind of points out, first of all, I really love that detail that they have weather modification met, net on Earth. But also it kind of points out that the Q doesn't care about appearances. They like, even though there's a weather modification net, they were just sort of like, I don't know, make it a tornado. But they don't have tornadoes on the, <laughs> I don't care. Uh, they didn't pick they, something that could happen. I think they still do. They still have tornadoes. Just less? Just, you know, less powerful ones and the card says the weather modification that implies to me why that wasn't they... it dissipated he didn't say why didn't it why did a tornado happen he's like he's more reacting to they were killed by a tornado whereas right. instead of like 
Oh, you're saying it's less of a stretch because it can happen, and then it yes, just and I think he's it. like, why wasn't it dissipated? Meaning, like, why was it a Category Four tornado, right? Instead of a Category mm-hmm. One, like we always get now that the weather modification net is up. Still feels if they're omnipotent that they could have picked something that they actually would have died from. Yeah, Doctor Commander Riker was just here, but they obviously didn't need to cover their tracks. No one cared. It's true until someone looked into it. They're looking for you, he said he'd be in Shuttle Bay too. Thank you. Have you finished already? Yes. How did you do it so quickly? Well, you helped me. It took us about half the time that it would have normally taken. Is her combat on her uniform or on her jacket this time? That explains this data. I needed to know the rates of mitosis. By artificially inflating them, you made the experiment useless. Now I have to do it all over again. I'm sorry, Doctor. Don't be sorry. If she wants to make things difficult on herself, that's her business. Why did you interfere with what she was doing? Jack has a cue. Making her plod through human chores is beneath her. She asked not to be treated differently. That doesn't mean she should be bored to death. I don't interfere with what you're teaching her. You would be incapable of interfering. And I don't think it's asking too much that you do the same. <laughs> and you stay out of mine. Well, when you put it like that, I... I think you're absolutely right. I think that Q understood what the dog barks were. <laughs> and heard the entire statement. <laughs> but it's just playing it like this because he's like, don't let her know that I turned her into a dog. <laughs> uh, I think Dabo does, does a good job with the uh, with the cue motions. Uh, I think they... Uh, I think they're a little uh, exaggerated. <laughs> well, she's a beginning cue. I mean, who do we... We only have... Uh, I mean, she's, she's more... Um, Wizardy? <laughs> no. What's the name of Corbin Burnson? She's more... She's Corbin Burnsoning it. <laughs> Did he do that? I don't remember. Yeah, when he was when he was the other Q, he was like yeah. a lot of big hand movements and all that shit. <laughs> what is it? It was unusually compact yet extremely powerful. Its recorded wind velocity was characteristic of a funnel three times its size. Download the files to my ready room. I'll study them there. I love reading about old weather. <laughs> Have you been practicing your teleportation? Yes, but it's kind of hard. I keep ending up somewhere I don't want to be. Well, it won't do to be sloppy. We should hone. <laughs> this up. premise came from 17-year-old Matt Corey from North Carolina. What do you mean? The premise for the episode. Oh, really? Yep, 17-year-old Did- Matt Corey from North Carolina had the guest role as a young man so he could play it. <laughs> That's amazing because I was about to say if I was a 17-year-old and I was obsessed with Star Trek, I would be writing this so that I could play it. Despite its original plot involving Wesley Crusher, a teenage love affair, and an unwanted pregnancy, (laughs) Echeverria noted it was quite good. Wait, who wrote that? That was was his original version. Matt Corey, yeah. I see, gotcha. Uh, Echeverria noted it was quite good and provided a special thrill when Taylor let him call uh, Corey to tell him of the sale. Uh, it's kind of the mirror of three years ago when Michael Piller called me one day uh, after more than a year of sending in scripts to Star Trek and having them rejected and then saying that they wanted it. Even then, Echeverria said the first show, his first show as a staff writer had its share of stress working uh, for the first time on a deadline, admitted with a laugh that he didn't even know what the various color uh, colors of script rewrite pages were coded uh, to keep them in order. But the humor didn't suffer for the young woman's character. He had sneaked 
the name of Samantha, Elizabeth Montgomery's supernatural sitcom nose twitcher of Bewitched through several drafts before Rick Berman caught it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, and Amanda's holodeck fantasy with Riker seems more airy and offbeat than usual. It's due to the late decision by Pillar to punch up the underlying tension by letting the audience hear just before that Q might kill her. A change made after the fantasy scene was filmed. As in, with Relics, the single biggest scene cut for time involved Troy, who early on brought Amanda, a vacationing crewman's dog named Henry, to dog sit. A scene with the puppy litter she conjured up was cut for time, although a white blur is visible next to Q on the sofa immediately after. There you go. Wait, there was already a dog in there? Do you see the white blur next to Q on the sofa right now on the pause screen? He's sitting there. There's a there's a puppy there. Uh, and that was something Troy brought her? No. This was a different scene with a puppy litter. Oh, my God. The, wait. This is a different scene with a puppy litter other than the one this in would the be a, cold this open? This would be a fourth dog in the episode is what I'm saying. And who brought this one? Follow along. <laughs> A scene that was cut had Troy bringing by a dog that a crew member who was vacationing had, named Henry, okay? Okay. We have the first batch of puppies in the cold open, okay? Okay. We have uh, Crusher getting turned into that dog, okay? Correct. And then the fourth dog is a scene with a puppy litter she conjured up was cut for time, although a white blur is visible next to Q on the sofa immediately after. I, the I don't. I don't think my confusion is unwarranted. There's a, there, she conjures up a puppy litter in the cold open, and you're saying that she conjures up a second puppy litter in this scene. I'm saying and then that they cut she it for time. Does not emotionally understand how to deal with things, and the puppies were comforting her. And then there's a separate thing with Troy having brought a dog yes, to her to make her feel better. So strange. Is it strange? It was written by a teenager. But wait, they they didn't leave that through to production. They clearly revamped the whole script. I know, but I'm assuming they left all of the all of the dog scenes had to have been by the teenager. There's no reason otherwise. Yeah, but you're proposing it because you're saying it's part of the scene that they were all part of the production draft. Yeah, I'm saying that they took this kid's idea. They were like, "Okay, we're going to cut the Wesley's obviously not in it. We're going to cut that. We're going to cut Oh, puppies. That's funny." Oh, that's cute. Oh, the dog thing. I think that like that is the other thread that stayed. It doesn't say that anywhere. I'm just guessing. So it's weird. So weird. Especially the Troy thing. It's like, weird. If she brings... Okay, what's weirder? Them to leave that thread in from this child script or for grown adults to put in four dog scenes? That's what I'm arguing. The second thing is the weird thing. I'm arguing that that's weird, too. And I'm trying to give it an explanation of they just left this Matt Carey's version where he had four dog scenes. All right. That, to me, is, Here's is what we're weirder gonna do. because it's a bunch of... Anyone you know out how there, it works, Matt. Anyone out there can get a hold of Matt Carey. And, Corey. And, and, uh, Matt Corey. And, and, and get me a hold of the original draft. <laughs> or just ask him, how many dog scenes did he have in his first draft? I don't think I want to talk about it. It seems like he... Uh... He, this was his, his only credit. It's very sad. He was he had such an early start. Well, I mean, there's nothing sad about that. He fucking lived out a dream. Well, you know, you know, many Star Trek, you know how many Star Trek credits I have? Zero. I mean, it's that's like really the point. fucking kid lived out a dream. He's probably, you know, just like, and he's got a crazy anecdote to tell people. 
All right. You, you, you're uncharacteristically positive on this Matt Corey thing. Uh, his name's Matt. He was 17 at the time. Uh, if he's around, someone uh, get me get me hold that script. Okay. I don't think my misunderstanding that uh, is anything except uh, understanding the insanity of what's going on and not not. Uh, well, not that's why I'm pitching it. that it must have been a 17 year old adult human professional writers and production staff. Couldn't have come up with the idea to have four stocks. Where I dispute that is you know that even if you're a professional writer on staff, if you have a certain kind of showrunner, how much they're going to rewrite every word that you say. So it seems unlikely that they would have taken the 17-year-old script and not beaten the hell out of it before it got anywhere close to production. What I'm saying is threads they left, Q, child, enterprise, dogs. Yeah. Those are, the, those are the threads. <laughs> the four dogs is the whole reason I did this episode. <laughs> I have a wonderful idea. We got a little puppy. Why don't we play a little game? By the way, I never noticed that puppy. Thank you, Dr. Trek. Larry Nemechek. Dr. Uh, Trek. They go play, uh, they play hide and seek on the Enterprise. And then uh, the coolest thing ever, they're fucking standing on the outside of the hull. It's pretty awesome. That would have sold me, too. Now do you understand? What do humans have to offer you that even begins to compare with that? Well, I mean, they built the ship, and I was standing on it. (laughs) You can't even imagine. Two ships? The universe could be your playground. <laughs> Dr. Crusher and Counselor Troy, they're taking me to dinner. They already brought me you a dog. Eat, you know. It's a nasty human habit you could easily do without. That settles it. Andy would not become a Q. I would not. Or I'd be a very fat Q. It was at first, but actually now I'm enjoying myself. Hello, ladies. Hello, Will. Commander Riker. Um, (laughs) won't you join us? I'd love to, but I have other plans. So, you're visiting from the Academy. (laughs) (laughs) It's another student. (laughs) Um, I mean, it it goes into the box with the weirdness of his relationship with Troy, but even independent of uh, Olivia Dabo, it's weird that he's has got this table and he doesn't move. He's on a date, literally like two feet in front of Troy. <laughs> but I guess that's their deal. They're they're polyamorous. What is the the? They're ethically polyamorous with something. I don't know. I mean, you're 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 pinning that on them. I just think they're friends with benefits at this point. What's the distinction between those two things? They're not in a relationship. I see. can't snatch people and put them into your fantasies and expect them to respond. See, he like takes her hands off his neck, but then he kind of holds her hands and keeps rubbing them. Comforting. Uh Uh-huh. You're a very lovely young lady. But none of this is real. I once had Q powers. Let me tell you about it. (laughs) My feelings are real. I know. But you can't make someone love you. 
can't I? See, I thought that was a good hand motion. You are so beautiful. I mean, it really depends on which sound effect is chosen by <laughs> the sound department. She gets it. You're right. None of it's real. Yeah. None of this is real. But my top hat. I thought it would be romantic. May I keep it? <laughs> but it's empty. Amanda. Just go back to ten forward. <laughs> it's be funny. If she sent I, him. He just. I wish she forgot. Right. The, she the sent love spell. She sent him back, and then he's just talking about Amanda the rest of the episode. Bonjour, mon capitaine. You wanted to speak with me. Wanted to ask you about Amanda's biological parents. When they decided to remain on Earth, what was the reaction in the Q continuum? We found it incomprehensible. Were they pressured to return? Were they threatened with any punishment if they didn't? What are you driving at, Picard? Well, the circumstance of their death is quite odd. A tornado somehow escaped the weather modification net and touched down in only one spot. Amanda's home. Well, you can never predict the weather. But tornadoes developed from existing storm fronts. But you see, there were no storm fronts in Kansas that day. <laughs> Witnesses reported that the funnel materialized spontaneously directly over Amanda's home, destroyed it, and disappeared. If you say so, I wasn't there. Does not seem Amanda's like uh, Livingston Picard has a lot of room in that aquarium. Well, I think uh, Troy checks in on it. You know, make sure that it's feeling okay and sure has some empathy. All right, so problem. they find out that uh, she, uh, her parents were killed by the continuum, uh, and that she can't just be frolicking around as a human with Q power. She needs to be a full continuum member. In the meantime, I'm faced with a crisis of a different nature. Look, I have no reason to believe that Q is lying. He claims he has orders from the Continuum. If Amanda cannot prove that she is fully cued, then he must kill her. We have to tell her. I don't know if we should. It almost seems cruel. Maybe she can She'll be herself. okay. I got her a dog earlier. She has a great deal of power. So did her parents. It didn't save them. I agree with the counselor. Amanda deserves to know the truth of her situation. We have no right to hold such crucial information from her. But it isn't going to be easy telling her. What is your impression of the field modulator, Mr. Lote? Quite ingenious, quite ingenious indeed. I... <coughs> yeah, six feet, six feet, Lote. <laughs> Amazed. Back up! <laughs> Nobody's wearing a mask. Commander, we're all loaded here. We can head for the service whenever you're ready. I'm eager to see the field modulator in place, Commander. I... <coughs> Jesus. We better get going. Yes. Now, do you think that's because he has some weird emphysema thing caused by the atmosphere, or do you think it's because he doesn't breathe the same atmosphere as uh, humans, or do you think it's because he can't breathe normally unless it's polluted air? 
<laughs> she actually destroyed their planet when she removed the right like she could have killed everyone they all could have coughed to death i can't breathe clean air oh. <laughs> everyone use your inhalers quickly quickly <laughs> But why? They're not convinced that you are fully Q. And they are also responsible for your parents' death. My parents? But what right do they have? Q, answer me. Are you afraid to face me? She's such a plucky little thing now, isn't she? <laughs> I really do enjoy you, you know. Amanda's question deserves an answer, Q. He's been kind of weird with her the whole episode. <laughs> and if necessary, executioner. By what right have you appointed yourself to this position? Superior morality. Oh, here comes the speech. I recall how you used your <laughs> superior morality when we first encountered you. You put us on trial for the crimes of humanity. The jury's still out on that, Picard. Make no mistake. Your arrogant pretense at being the moral guardians of the universe strikes me as being hollow, Q. I see no evidence that you are guided by a superior moral code or any code whatsoever. You may be nearly omnipotent, and I don't deny that you're parlor tricks are very impressive but morality i don't see it i don't acknowledge it q i would put human morality against the cues any day and perhaps that's the reason that we fascinate you so because our puny behavior shows you a glimmer of the one thing that evades your omnipotence a moral center. And if so, I can think of no crueler irony than that you should destroy this young woman whose only crime is that she's too human. Jean-Luc, sometimes I think the only reason I come here is to listen to these wonderful speeches of yours. But this time, your concern is unwarranted. We've decided not to harm her, and we are prepared to offer her a choice. What kind of choice? You can either come to the continuum with me. Or? Now, this choice is more difficult. You have it within yourself to refrain from using the power of Q. If you can do that, you can stay here. Then I'm staying here. Think about this. This is not so easy. Your parents were given this choice, and they were unable to resist the temptation of using their power. All I've wanted since this whole thing began is to become a normal human being again. Well, <laughs> might be time, Andy, to take a trip to Memory Beta. Oh. Beta. This? Oh, let's see what Amanda Rogers has been up to. <laughs> oh, exciting. A decade after uh, this episode, uh, Q had angered the Bajoran prophets during what was known as the God's War. <laughs> okay. 
Amanda mended diplomatic ties between the two races. Seeing how unhinged Q was becoming in the conflict, Guinan requested Amanda's aid, along with that of Wesley and the Traveler, to end the wow. conflict. That's after, a lot of heavy hitters. Oh, yeah. After all four <laughs> of the abducted crews uh, had begun, had been brought together, Amanda gifted them Q weapons. When Q later agreed to a peaceful resolution to the war, one of his terms was for Amanda to surrender her powers... And that is something she gracefully accepted. Q later took Amanda home and made it so she could have a career in biomedical sciences. <laughs> Amazing. That's uh, That was your trip. The, the most interesting uh, detail to me in that is that the Q have weapons. I assume they have to have some weapons. What does God need with a starship? Well, you know, it's like that rifle that fucking that uh, Guinan pulls out from under the bar that Q is afraid of. Wait. I don't remember that. But th- doesn't she just sort of use her hands and, like, he sort of... She, like, makes claws at him, and then he, like, is like, ah! And she makes claws at him, but doesn't she also pull a rifle? Did I make that up in my head? I've seen Guinan pull a rifle. I thought she pulled a rifle on Q. Eh, someone no. will remember what episode that was from. <laughs> <laughs> I know I can resist. Warp to Picard. I'm in this episode now. <laughs> Commander Riker. I'm on my way. I'm no longer mad at Mott. <laughs> I've been released from the brig for attacking Mott. <laughs> Captain, the damage to the reactor is greater than the Tagrons led us to believe. The field modulator is installed and operational, but it's not going to be enough. The reactor has already gone into overload. Can you correct the problem? Jordy is trying to stabilize the unit now. We will stay as long as possible. There are thousands of people in this area. If that reactor goes... Commander, over here quickly. As you are doing, Q. Not this time, Picard. Mr. Wolf, see if there's any way that we can cut through the interference and beam them out of there. Nice, sir. Captain, Jordy is trying a neutrino infusion. It may smother the reaction. Captain, there is too much ionization in the atmosphere. Transporters are useless. It's no use. The heat has fused the injector shut. We're losing containment. How long till meltdown? A few minutes at most. We're going to have to... Commander, look at this. She did it. She she saved everybody. She She fixed the whole atmosphere. Jesus, than you thought. I couldn't let all those people die. She like she barely gets like Ever an hour. Since I got here, I've been fighting this. I've been denying the truth, denying what I am. I am Q. Doctor Crusher. I've decided that I can't stay. I can't stay here. Well. Now that you've come to your senses, let's go. No, I want to go and see my parents first. It's going to take some time to explain all of this, so you'll have to be patient. Eh, you know your parents are dead. So she means resurrect her parents, I assume? No, she means go talk to her adoptive parents. (laughs) Oh, her adoptive parents. (laughs) Boy, Andy, you have no heart. What is wrong with you? Uh. She's got two sets of parents. Yeah, but the other ones are fake. The other, but the other ones are see-through. <laughs> 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 you, 
You mean the see-through parents or the fake parents? <laughs> the How fake dare parents. you? <laughs> Not the see-through parents. <laughs> I hope I can come back and see you. You're a Q. You can do anything you want. That's how it works, right, Q? Yeah, pretty much. We think. <laughs> she gives a smile to uh, Picard. Doesn't, didn't. Oh, I guess Riker's on the planet. She doesn't have to be on the planet. Q. <laughs> Well, there you go. She uh, she decides that she's going to try and, and make it work. And then, obviously, uh, she fails when she decides to intervene in the Q war. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is true Q, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it's time to uh, give a little MVC action. Just remember that this podcast is free. Yeah, MVC of this episode. I hate to break it to everyone, but <sighs> Amanda, gotta give it to Amanda. It does seem like Amanda's the only one. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you mean, give it to give it to Q. Is she technically not a member of the crew? Is she? I. I would count her as part of the crew. She's doing crew duties. She's brought on board. I mean, technically, you could say she's not Crudies. officially a member of the crew. Crew duties. Crew duties, everyone. Um, I mean, uh, is the MVC is, Amanda Rogers? Is there anyone else it could possibly be? I mean, Crusher when the, when for the, being the moral sounding board. Uh, Picard for uh, having the moral argument with Q. He has a moral argument with Q, but it but seems it, like it Q seems has like already made smooth. his decision. Exactly. Yeah. It might be Crusher for guiding Amanda through it. Yeah, but she also seems like she kind of comes to it on her own. <laughs> also seems like she chooses the opposite side of Crusher. So, uh, guess what, Amanda Rogers? Your you know, first episode is NBC. It's sort of an interesting aspect because we i think we've critiqued stories in the past for for spending too much time on outside characters whereas this episode is about outside characters our characters don't really even affect what happens with the outside characters and it's delightful (laughs) yeah because it's like it's it's an outside character but also like a way to develop a character we know which is q yes i guess that's it i think it works he's basically like almost one of our regulars so yeah um I mean, he's certainly, you know, he's in he's in it as much as, like, he's in it more than Barkley is. Yeah. All right. I give it to Amanda Rogers, too. Way to go, Amanda Rogers. And now it's time to rate it. We sit and watch and then we hang and talk, but the podcast isn't over just yet. How many Andys does this episode get? Oh, how many Andys does this episode get? Uh, I think it's delightful. Uh, John Delancey has fully won me over at this point given where I started Told you uh, by really not liking the character. You were correct. Um, I do. I stand by my opinions on, on how he was used early on, but I really think they've given him depth and given the idea of Q. Um, they, they've made it work inside this, this universe. Um, 
So I love that. Love the interplay with Picard. Uh, love the story. I think they handled it in a nice, subtle way. I think Levy Dabo is a is a great guest star, as is John Delancey. And the other characters have some really nice moments. They used Crusher great. So, well. So, uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Uh, that's funny. I'm higher uh, on this episode than you are. And it gets an 8 for me. Uh, and it would get a 9 if the crew was more active in the story. Uh-huh. I think if the crew was slightly more active, it would get a 9. Uh, maybe even a 10. But... Uh, I don't have a lot of bad things to say about it. I really enjoy all the performances. I think the story's good. I uh, just would have liked a little bit more from our main characters of uh, involvement in being active participants. Like Andy said earlier, you know, even Picard's speech doesn't do anything. Yeah. She already makes you know up what? her I'm, mind. You kind of convinced me. I think I'm going up to an eight. Wow. I hope that the delete key on Brad Arrington's computer is working. <laughs> he's already calculated everything. He's turned it off. He's worked for hours. <laughs> oh, and he turns Brad, on the no! Again. Turn it back on! He changed <laughs> Statistician. it! Statistician. Uh, all right, it's time to watch the trailer for next week's episode, Rascals. Andy, have you seen this episode before? Uh, no, did this, I don't believe did this, so. Did this get through the uh, the muck and arrive in your eyes at some point as a as a as a as a college student? No, you say no. Here we go. Then it's rascal. Let me know when you have it up, and I'll count us in. Got it. Oops. All right. Well, let me know. Yeah, whenever you're ready. All right. Hit play in three, two, one. Play. A transporter malfunction transforms the crew into children. Are you here to relieve me of duty? I am still Jean-Luc Picard. And Apollo's oh young captain is about to lose his ship to hostile aliens. Computer, deactivate all command functions. Authorization, Riker Omega-3. We have secured the bridge. Stripped Ooh, of command, Frankie. can Picard stop a savage attack? I will execute every child in this ship. On Star Trek, The Next Generation. I can't wait to see what Andy thinks of that episode. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy that episode. And I, it'll be interesting to watch it through the critical TNC lens. Yeah. Which uh, we rarely, uh, I, I haven't gotten to do yet. Sometimes it, the, T, the TNC lens makes me uh, dislike things more. Sometimes it makes me enjoy things more. I mean. Interesting. It's a weird lens where you have to talk what about you, something what do you for an hour and a half. Affects- it's just having to yeah, talk it's about having it in to detail. De- it's having to talk about it in detail for longer than the episode is. <laughs> right. Well, that may be our choice. <laughs> that is absolutely our choice. Um, <laughs> and it's like watching it. Uh, it's watching it in like a fashion of like, watch, pause, let's discuss. You know. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way, guys. I love it. So next week, Rascals, if you're uh, Rascals in the Patreon, lieutenants uh, and presidents, look out next week. Uh, we'll be having uh, some short treks. We're going to f- sit down and watch some short treks. It's exciting. I am I'm so not looking forward to it, but we're going to do it. Uh, <laughs> I've already watched a couple. I think you might enjoy some. Oh, well, I look forward to might enjoy some. Uh, everyone, you've been great. I've been me. I'm out of here. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. 
And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone. It's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President's Circle for $17.01 per month.